Wings for the game? Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey? Boom, cash back. Even a last-minute ice run could score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's going to take the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one, it's a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cash back debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. And eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With more than 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting Dota birds, leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button. Be like Brandon Davies. You have consent. Don't forget to also subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel while you're here. Let's get into it. There's a lot to cover on this Sunday night, but if I'm being honest, only one place to start. So let me run you through the past 30 or so hours of my life. First on Saturday afternoon on CBS, America's most watched network, Network of Stars, the selection committee unveiled what would be the top 16 seeds if the NCAA tournament were to start today. They call it the bracket preview show. Like I've been telling you for more than a month, Purdue body of work. So Purdue was announced as the number one overall seed. I felt very good. I felt incredibly smart. 90 minutes later, UConn, which has been number one in the AP poll for five straight weeks and will be number one in the AP poll again on Monday for the sixth straight week. Uh, they beat the doo-doo out of Marquette. Oh, boy. You don't see beatings like this very often. UConn, A1, Marquette, 53. is a total ass whipping. All right? Needless to say, this was not good for the top 25 and one. No escalators is, is out there tweeting like Kobe on his way to 81. Right. Other, other UConn fans are calling me Every name in the book, wondering both how I got my job and why I'm allowed to keep it. It's rough out the streets, Stop but I was still me, I was still fine. I was still fine because, believe it or not, Purdue still had the better body of work, a better body of work than UConn. So I kept Purdue number one in the top 25 and one on Sunday morning, even after UConn murdered Marquette. And all I needed on Sunday afternoon was for the Boilermakers to beat an Ohio State team that had lost six of seven and just fired its coach four days earlier. You know what happened next? Final score, Ohio State 73, Purdue 69. You lose. Dead leg, that's how you go from feeling like the smartest person on Twitter to having to tweet, congratulations, UConn. You'll be number one in the top 25 and one on Monday. Better late than never. Dead leg, that's a recap, for the most part, of my life while you were in Alabama. We'll get to you being in Alabama later. But first, your thoughts on A, what UConn did to Marquette, B, what Ohio State did to Purdue, 
and see what we should all now be able to agree on. Let's all agree on something. And that's that UConn is the only team in the country with fewer than three losses and more than one quadrant one win. And they've got nine quadrant one wins. So yes, finally, finally, UConn does have the sport's best body of work and the Huskies should be number one. All right. That is two minutes, 57 seconds of exposition, scene setting, justifications. It's tough. It's a tough one for you here, bud. I'm, I'm listen. I'm not here to disagree on where you had Purdue. All right. Because a reminder, somebody the last time I say this this season, Parrish ranks his teams like it's bracketology. He's basically trying to kick Jerry Palm out of having a job. His rankings are a bracketology situation. So I am, I am a great set of bangs away from being the CBS sports bracket expert. That's right. So he's, uh, that's what he's doing. Because of that, Purdue had the best resume. But, oh, it all fell apart on you. Oh, my God. And and keep in mind, this morning, Purdue still had the best resume. And Purdue, this morning, was still ahead of UConn in most computers. Not all, but most. And then it all came crashing down, buddy. Crashing down. I I got deeper. I got deeper. You did get deeper. A week ago, did you have any idea that on Sunday I would get deeper? No one. I don't think Deebler knew he was going to deeper anyone. (laughs) I don't even think Deebler knew he was going to deeper me. No, on this no idea. This dude woke up. I don't know if you saw any of the pregame because you were flying. I did not. I saw. I saw. By the way, I saw none of the game because I was flying. Yeah. I. I. I didn't see. I was like this the whole game, <laughs> and then I'd be like, "Jesus Christ!" Yeah. It's a eight oh run again. So I didn't see much of the game. I just sort of. I just sort of listened to Tom McCarthy and Jim Spinarkle, but I kept my eyes covered. I didn't want to see it. I was trying to protect my. My uh, my mental health. I didn't need to see it. That's on fire right now, as it should. And listen, just embrace the drag because UConn and I. We can talk. I didn't see any of the Purdue game, so I can't speak to the game. I just know the result. I watched almost all of UConn Marquette, and then when you when it was in no longer a doubt, I was like, all right, I'm just heading over to the arena for uh, Kentucky Auburn. We'll get to that a little later in the show. Um, <laughs> but I knew. I see. I knew it was going to happen when I saw that UConn. And now again, well, I'll get to the game in just a second. When I saw that UConn was destroying Marquette and just rolling away with it, I knew, at least I was highly confident. I didn't, I didn't text GP. I didn't get a check-in. I was like, he's still going to put Purdue ahead of UConn and they are going to come for his neck. Oh, buddy. <laughs> They're going to come for his neck and then Purdue's going to beat Ohio State and he's going to worsen it for himself. No, it, and then you did, you've made the about face, but. Um, well, no, I haven't made an about face. I want to be very clear about what I've done. I've done the same thing I've done every day. For the past month, every day, I looked at the bodies of work and I said, who's is better? Who's got the best body of work? That's going to be my number one team. Up until like about two, three hours ago, it was still Purdue. It just was. It just was. That's the only thing. Like, I love no escalators. He's hilarious or she's hilarious. I don't know who it is. It's it's a he. Okay. Um, I don't know who it is. I just, I'm a fan. So, uh, but then some of the fans are like, how could you think that Purdue should be ranked ahead of UConn? And I'm like, buddy, I just explained it to you. And by the way, just explained it to you like every other day for the past month on here, writing, like Purdue did have the best body of work. The selection committee told you that yesterday. This, Purdue had the best body. So I never really understand how people think it's crazy to have Purdue number one. Like if you do body of work, it's number one. If you do most computers, it's still better than UConn, although behind Houston. So it's complicated. Um but now it's clear. It's clear to me that UConn has the best body of work. Purdue now is a three-loss team. Purdue, um, 
Uh, UConn uh, has the same number of quarter one wins, but one fewer loss. And again, this is remarkable. Tell me if you know the other team in this thing. I, uh, well. UConn is now the only team in the country mm-hmm. um, with fewer than three losses and more than one quarter one win, and they, they have nine of those. Who's the other team I'm talking about that has fewer than three losses, but in one quarter one win? Uh, I, a fewer than who is the other? Hit your button, huh? Hit your button. <laughs> what? Which, you got a Bryce? You got a Bryce button over there? Oh, Grand Canyon! This is Bryce, and I don't I'm, care. I was scanning. What other team only has two losses at this point? Grand Canyon only has two losses. But they also only have one quadrant one win. So the two teams in the country with only two losses are UConn and Grand Canyon. One of them has nine quadrant one wins. One of them has one. So when I say this, and I'm very, I hope UConn fans can at least appreciate this. I'm very good at framing things, like excellent at like framing things. I'm 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 confident if you made me do it, I could frame Purdue still being number one somehow. Oh, I, I dare you. I dare you. Actually, <laughs> and here's the twist: he's got Grand Canyon ahead of Connecticut. <laughs> No, I could do it. I'm, I'm very good at framing things. So when I uh, it, when when it, so when I, I'm framing this this way, like it sounds great because it is. There's only one team in the country that has fewer than three losses and more than one quadrant one win, and it's UConn. And UConn has nine quadrant one wins. Go Huskies! What's the Huskies cheer? What do I need to do? You don't know the Huskies cheer. What do I need to do? U C O N and UConn, UConn, UConn. That's you don't know nothing about that. Big Red, do you? You don't they know. Stole, they, they, so you're telling me UConn stole their chat from UC, chant from UCLA? Is that what UCLA is? Well, UC, I think it's, I think it's not, UCLA. UCLA, fight, fight, fight. Not the same, Parish. I know, but it's kind of the same. It's kind of like a U. No, I think with, half the like, schools in existence just repeat the letters and acronyms in their school names. So, no, UConn didn't steal that. They both start with UC. I think UConn stole the we stand up and, and don't stop clapping until the first basket is made. Syracuse does that. I believe Syracuse did it first and UConn stole and it. Now, Syracuse. And now look what they've done. They've stolen the number one ranking from Purdue. Okay. Oh, boy. Well, um, I that tell was, you what, uh, you, you go to bed, you go to bed one Sunday. You never think you're going to spend the next one getting deblurred. Yeah, I tell you, you that. You got and I don't know why. Looking back on it, yeah. you realize I'm constantly developing these bits for this podcast. And I had a good one going. It was Indiana's the fourth best team in the state of Indiana. And buddy, I was, and I just abandoned it to jump on this Purdue UConn thing. And now look at me. You did it to yourself. I did it to myself. It really hurts. Yep. Sometimes you got to be able to look in the mirror and say, I'm responsible for this. And I am responsible for this. Photo there up uh, right now of, of Diebler post game interview. Uh, and uh, yeah, that was just a huge win. All right, let's uh, let's talk games real okay, quick. Do you know what he said right there? Did you read his lips? Yeah, Parrish got deep. I just yeah. he said, "Oh, oh, that Parrish. He thinks he's something." Um, I just I, got I, 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 it's a tough what? day. It's a tough. It's a tough day. Tough first, week. First I'm time an interim head coach has won his first game against a top five team in history. I don't know. I I, I wondered that. Uh, Ken Palm had this at eighty percent of Purdue win, so it was obviously surprising. 73-69 win for Ohio State, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't like this was a 95% or but still 80% uh, certainly notable. Snapped a nine-game winning streak for Purdue. Um, Purdue is now four and three against unranked teams on the road. Yes, folks, another top 10 team went down on the road against unranked team. Again. Ooh, 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 I've got the updated numbers on that. Give us the, give us the latest. Okay. Okay. So 
it was 37 and 36 for the top 10 teams on the road heading into Purdue at OSU. So we're now 37 and 37. It's 50. Okay. I actually thought it was going to, yeah, I, I can't remember what I said, but I think it's going to be somewhere on 52, 53% by year's end. We'll see. And, and, um, and the, the, the normal statistical average is like what? 73. Uh, normal good question. Average, yeah, I got it right here. 73. Previous low is 62. Yeah, 62%. Previous low is 62%, and right now we're sitting at 50%. That's the winning percentage for top 10 teams on the road against unranked opponents, 37-37 through today. Boilermakers are fourth around the road against unranked opponents. Everyone else, any other site, venue, whatever, Purdue is 19-0. and And the Boilermakers went 20 of 20. Tell me the last time a team, I'm not even going to say, Purdue went 20 of 20 from the foul line. And yeah, lost. That's Tell the, me the last time a, a top 10 team shot 95% or better from the foul line. I'll say minimum 15 attempts and lost a game. Uh, it, it almost never happens. Uh, particularly what against I, an unreached opponent. That's crazy. That's a crazy stat. It's uh, the whole thing was crazy. Everything about it was crazy. I mean, they like seriously, the team that was named the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament as of yesterday, yesterday lost to a team that's fired its coach four days ago. That's what happened know. today. That's <laughs> just wild that Ohio State on this day of all days. Uh, yeah, with Holtman out. Uh, Buckeyes fans, you've you've earned this moment and you've been aching for it. Uh, so congrats on on the apex of your season because this basically is it. Uh, barring, uh, barring Diebler being better than John Wooden and coming for Mick Horan's ass. Like, <laughs> I mean, I think this is going to be the apex of Ohio State season. We'll see. Um, Let's talk UConn Marquette real quick. Uh, I watched most of that game, 81-53. This was supposed to be the game of the weekend. It was certainly the most hyped matchup of the weekend. And UConn, to say it flipped a switch does not do it justice. It it took one of those huge breakers and just slammed it against the wall, man. A 24-8 run over the final 10 minutes of the first half when the game was 18-all at that point. And they just blow them out of the water. Four players with at least 14 points. Klingon was seven of eight from the field, 17 points. He was just incredible for what they needed him to do in that game. And there were just flashes of him in this game where I just, I was like laughing. I was like, this is when we didn't know Purdue was going to lose. And I'm like, this is, Parrish won't rank this team first. I was thinking, I was like, literally, they're going to, they're rolling here. He will not put this team number one. I, I, can, I, can I be honest with you? Yes. I looked at it. I did. I did genuinely. I honestly looked at it, and I honestly came to the conclusion that Purdue still had the better body of work. Fair enough. They ain't playing like the better team, that's for sure. Newton. And I, and I, and I, but I did acknowledge all season, Purdue ain't done nothing to nobody like what UConn did to Marquette. <laughs> and I wonder this: like we both know Dan, we both like Dan. Your story from earlier in the year, you have that scene where you're walking back to locker room with him or walking somewhere with him, and he brings up the fact that you have him ranked lower than he thought you should have. So, yeah. so it's clear he pays attention to this stuff. I bet you I've been driving him crazy, all right? <laughs> Maybe. I wonder, do you think, because this seems like the type of thing that would work for him. I, w- do you, I don't know that he did this. I just wouldn't be surprised. Hey, guys, let's gather around. Watch this. Watch these people tell you somebody's better than you. All right? Because that's what they're about to do. Watch this. They're going to tell you somebody's better than you. All right. Now let's go play and prove that nobody's better than us. It looked like they were shot out of a cannon. They looked like a – I mean, they overwhelmed them. It, like, dude, they won by 28. They were up 29. Cam Spencer pointed to the scoreboard. I mean, they beat the 
Oh. I know we try not to curse on here, but you know what they beat out of them. <laughs> well, wait till you, you see. Know what, you know what they beat out of them. Yeah, you know we're, gonna have, we're gonna have cursing through the mouth of Patino before the show's over here. They did. Uh, Newton had 15 points, eight rebounds, eight assists. It's the 28 point win was comfortably. The biggest margin of victory forever for UConn against a top five team. The previous best was a 17-point win against Louisville. Patino, by the way, when Louisville was number five back in 09. It was UConn's third straight win by 25-plus points. And it was obviously UConn's 14th win in a row. That's the longest active win streak in the country. And, yeah, I mean, UConn's got to go and play in Milwaukee in a couple of weeks here. So that'll be interesting to see how Marquette rebounds from that. But... A, to me, like, you know, even removing ourselves from the, the, the context we normally have in this podcast, right? And the people that follow this podcast for those like more casual sports fans now that the Super Bowl has come and gone. Obviously, Caitlin Clark made huge headlines this week. You had the NBA All-Star game and all that kind of stuff. But coming out of this weekend, this was the type of victory that I think resonates beyond the sport where it's like, good Lord, this the UConn team that won the title last year, I'm going to check in and see what they're doing. Cause it's a top five matchup. And they just eviscerate the fourth ranked team in the country. Like they made the game an absolute joke. And then, and then Cam Spencer, <laughs> this is not the first time. And if, if you haven't seen it, go find it. Obviously, if you're listening, you can't, uh, you can't see it, but you, you know what I'm talking about there. This, this whole, like, wind up, get out of here, umpire toss move that he's, that he did um, after he like bumped into Ben Gold. Uh, it's like the second or time he's making his thing, which I am all for. And then I had, I had posted that. I don't know if Marquette's going to be able to beat UConn this year. I'm just saying if they do, uh, Tyler Kolick is the one guy that can match Cam Spencer for trash talking and it would be an incredible scene. UConn fans took this to be like, I wanted Marquette to win. I think Marquette's going to. I don't care who wins. You know what I care about? I want to see Cam Spencer and Tyler Kolick going at each other and jawing the next time these teams meet. I want to see this these teams meet again in New York City where right. they can go at it again because Kolick is an, is an incredible shit talker. And, and Cam Spencer embodying this arrogant, I don't give an F Northeast ethos and, and it working and making UConn into a superpower, I think is amazing, hilarious. And when he did that parish, you know what I thought? I thought if this dude wore a Duke Jersey, he would be the most hated man in America right now. But because it says UConn, there's this, uh, there's this real associated pride that, that comes with it. Everyone else in the biggies probably hates Cam Spencer. I love the edge he's brought to UConn. And I think his involvement here is an, is a significant part in why this team is the best team in the country right now. I agree with you. I won't care who wins the next game. I kind of did care who won that one though. <laughs> <laughs> At least by 29, like win it by four. Can you win it by four? That's fine. 20, 28 points. You better watch out or Cam Spencer's going to find you. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted him to kind of win. <laughs> I didn't need him to like light my mentions on fire <laughs> with the best performance anybody's had all season. And I, I, I guess there's no way to prove this. I don't think it's a coincidence that it came right 90 minutes after that selection show. I don't think it's a coincidence. I think you, you I, I bet they use that. Somebody used that as motivation. Here's my question for you. So what we agree, UConn should be number one. Do you agree with that? <laughs> yes, I've, okay. I've been saying for like a month. Okay, okay. Do not, do not loop me, rope me, bring me into your side. That was never. Have not been All there. Right, can I? Can, okay, I'm on the UConn side now. Can I bring you with me? Yeah, they're not going to let you in. That's what I'm telling you. No, I feel like I'm in. Okay, 
I feel like I'm here. So what, was that what you're going to ask me, or are you going to actually ask me something a little more legitimate? A little more legitimate. Okay. What do I do with Purdue now? I haven't looked at the resume. I mean, I guess you, how about this? I figure you put them number two for a couple of days and you put them back at number one for old time's sake. Results be damned. Yeah. That, that's exactly, that's exactly what my plan is. Okay. I'm going to try to sneak them back in there on Wednesday. <laughs> See if they don't notice. Uh, I don't, I don't know. Cause like obviously Purdue's loss is like worse than uh, the Houston losses, but Purdue's loss is still a quadrant one loss. Did you realize that you can get a quadrant one loss losing to a team that fired his coach four days ago. Oh, amazing. All right. So Purdue is still nine and three in quadrant one, six and oh in quadrant th- two. So 15 and three, first two quadrants with nine quadrant one wins. Houston, that's your other candidate, I guess. Eight and three in quadrant one, only two and oh in quadrant two. So 10 and three in the first two quadrants with eight quadrant one wins. So Purdue has more quadrant one wins, has five more wins in the first quadrant. Um, and broadly speaking, has better wins but they does have that one worse loss. The loss to Ohio state's worse than anything that Houston has on its resume. I, I don't hold me to it. I will take a fresh look at it. I think Purdue's two and Houston's three. I think it's one UConn two Purdue UConn three, but I'll, uh, I mean, UConn one Purdue two Houston three, but I'll look at it a little later on. Paul, uh, before we go to the break here, the poll question on today's show, if you're listening at the start, start of the, the YouTube live chat here was, Oh, I set the over under. 2.5 losses for UConn the remainder of the season. I am including the postseason NCAA tournament. Uh, GP, what do you think is winning, over or under? And then uh, I'll give you the answer. I think at this point, most people are going to say, hell, they've only lost twice uh, so far, and most of the season's over. I think they ought to go under. Under is winning. 84% of our audience watching in real time now thinks that UConn will take two or fewer losses for the rest of the season. That's a dominant commentary on just how dominant UConn has been. Highly impressive from Dan Hurley's group and uh, and a really good storyline at large for college basketball as we, as we get ready to uh, start turning to March here in a couple of weeks. Let's move on. Deadleg was at Auburn this weekend for the Tigers' big game with Kentucky. We're going to get into that next. First, though, word from our partners. We all send messages nonstop connected to work, text, emails, checking in on projects, brainstorming for ideas. No matter what kind of work you do, communication is key. And Grammarly, it can really help you because Grammarly, it's your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so that you can make a bigger impact at work. If you lack confidence in your writing, Grammarly can fix that, and it can also make you more efficient in your day-to-day. Did you realize that 96% of Grammarly users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing? It's true. So it's time for you to make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. So Deadleg was at Auburn this weekend for the Tigers game with Kentucky. Auburn entered with a 13-0 record at home, all 13 wins by double digits. Average margin of victory in those games, 22.1 points. And the Tigers had just three days earlier beat South Carolina by 40. That's among the reasons Auburn closed as an eight and a half point favorite over Kentucky. Meantime, UK entered with a three and four record in its previous seven games. Terrible defensive numbers on the verge of maybe slipping out of the AP top 25 poll, despite having the most talented roster, I think at least in college basketball. Oh, you ain't going to believe what happened. Final score, Kentucky 70, Auburn 59. John Calipari's Wildcats added a monster quadrant one win on the road against a team that had been killing everybody at home. And Kentucky did this a week after losing at home to Gonzaga. This is where my buddy John Rostin, I think, would would tell you it's just college basketball, but I I actually think it's anarchy. It's not anarchy. I I actually think it's anarchy. It's not. no, I think it is. Okay. Uh, this is real life SEC anarchy. Deadleg, did you enjoy your first trip to Auburn? And it was was it actually your first trip to the great state of Alabama? It was. It was my first uh, first trip down there. I enjoyed it. Neville Arena is a good building. Um, good. It's a good building. It's it's a really great. Good. Uh, yeah. Well, in terms of the building itself, it's a it's a great modern college basketball building and they got their practice facility in there and they got their offices in there and all that stuff. And what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing is you didn't walk away blown away. You've been to the kennel. You've been uh, to well, Allen Field House. Let, let me explain. You've been to Cameron Indoor. The, the reason, yes, the reason why Kentucky led wire to wire, like the pregame. Auburn should not have let them done that. Correct. If they wanted to win the game, they can't allow Kentucky to always hold the lead. That's yeah, how that was that was a mistake on Auburn's part. That was a big mistake. And so while the, the fan base was riled up and they got Walker Kessler involved in their pregame hype video and uh, and they were ready to to really make a scene of it, it it didn't ever get like crazy in there. Like I was at Bud Walton Arena for the Duke game earlier this year. Bud Walton blew away the jungle, but that was part oh, wow. of it. Arkansas won the damn game. Auburn never held a lead. Fifty nine points. Was held to a season worst shooting. What thirty? What was this? Thirty point nine percent. Yep. Um, it was the second worst points per possession game for Auburn this season. They actually had one worst game offensively against Mississippi State. That's kind of uh, the Bulldogs' mo there. It was also Kentucky's best uh, defensive field goal percentage effort of the entire season. Um, I so I I grabbed a quick breakfast on my way out of uh, of Auburn this morning before driving back to Atlanta to make my flight. And I just happened to go to the place that was right next to my hotel. And wouldn't you know it, but Bruce Pearl walks in <laughs> what he would, there was a recruit on campus. And so they were hosting the recruit and his family and the coaching staff. There was a little separate room. Um, so that just happened to be uh, the spot where they were hosting. So I talked to Bruce this morning and 
Uh, one, Jalen Williams went down in this game, and then at that moment, uh, he had already gotten the MRI and was was hopeful that it was not going to be season-ending. It is not, according to the release that came out earlier on Sunday. Jalen Williams, a non-season-ending injury is the word there. We wait and see. But then the other thing that we talked about carryover from from the game was uh, he knows that the that point guard play has to be more reliable moving forward. And it was, and I actually had talked with Bruce a little bit before the game about this because of, of DJ Wagner's size and Kentucky's just athletic ability on the wing, uh, how Auburn was going to be able to try and work around. That was probably the, the top thing on the scouting report. And it just didn't happen. And when you don't have Katie Johnson, who's a reliable shooter, Aiden Holloway can shoot, but he's been cold as of late and he's a liability in other places. Auburn to me, and this is why I told Bruce and he agreed to me, Auburn is a team that once we get to the tournament, whatever seed they land on, they were a four as of the Saturday um, projection from the committee. They take a loss like this. They would have been off the, the four line, but whether they end up as a four or five or six, they are going to be a team that needs to have the right kind of matchups in the first round and the second round to, to break through the sweet 16 only because they have issues with their shooting and their, and their point guard play. Uh, hopefully in that situation, Jalen Williams will be back and, and ready to go there. But the fact that they just could never get it going, they got it to five in the second half. And like the building really wanted to have like that moment. There was, there was one sequence there where like it was ready to, to really kind of crack in a good way, but Auburn missed like three shots in a row. Kentucky wound up getting a, a rebound transition. I think Reeves scored on that. He had 22 in this game. He was really, really big for them. Uh, Ugana Onyenso was also really big. No Trey Mitchell, who's not the best defender, but he's the most important presence in the locker room. I've been told and to not have him and for Kentucky to go on the road back. And this was kind of the point of my column back to back, good defensive performances against Ole Miss earlier in the week, and then Auburn, Auburn on the road. This was the best win on the resume. It's not even debatable at this point when you look at what Auburn's accomplished to this point. And just to string together two good defensive performances. Don't expect this every game uh, because it won't happen. But that you hold Auburn to 59 points, you hold Mississippi to 63. Before that, Kentucky had been given up more than 80 per night. Really good development. And my takeaway was this. No, I don't think Kentucky's a national title contender again because they they did this. But this kind of win does make me think that like, okay, final four contender is on the table. And if they're going to, we're going to look up in March and this is going to be a trendy team to win three or four games in the big bracket. I think that will trace back to this situation. Now, having said that, my last thing here is Calipari and the video got shared uh, Jeff Goodman was there. And so he took it and he, he posted it. He walks into the media room, which Auburn, by the way, isn't a complaint. It's just, it's just a, uh, just an observation. It has the smallest media room. God, you just want them to tear the place down. Don't you? You want them to bulldoze it. Major program I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> this thing. I mean, there are studio apartments in New York city that make this place look spacious. Okay. I couldn't believe it. So he was, so Calipari walks in and it's, you know, like 60 bodies cramped, crammed into like, uh, you know, a 90 square foot space. And he's like, Oh, did we think it was going to go another way? And then he goes off on like, come attack me, leave my players alone. I don't like, we have been critical of Kentucky's defensive liabilities and Calipari, obviously as the coach has received some criticism, I might've missed something recently locally where someone might've, maybe he's talking about social media. I know that's an issue. Obviously it is with many players, honestly, if that's it, well, the people that are attacking those players on social media, I don't think they were in that room, a little bit of an oddity from Calipari. Uh, but uh, he deserves to be commended, and that staff deserves to be commended because he explained what the game plan was. He was not going to get into a track meet. They were going to limit their turnovers. They successfully did that. They commanded the conversation for 40 minutes, and Kentucky got a really good win. 
And to do it in a hostile environment like that, I actually think genuinely means something. They didn't need a superhero performance from anyone. Reeves was obviously very good. Uh, Shepard was, he had like, what, five steals? He was, he was all right. DJ Wagner, he was all right. Onyensa was was important on the defensive end. Um, but even some guys that have gotten minutes earlier this season didn't even really see the floor there. So um, I thought it was more about Kentucky winning than Auburn losing in that situation. And uh, and I thought a key development there. You just can't, you can't have two games like this and then that let's not look up in two weeks and, and see that Kentucky's gone, you know, one and three or two and two, and it's suddenly back to allowing teams to drop 82, 86 a night. Can they at least have some sort of consistency? Um, if they can, then uh, then what Onyenso said afterward will really ring true because he basically said the coaches can tell us everything they want, whatever. But ultimately, like it was time for us to accept accountability for ourselves and hold each other accountable. Know that we had to do it. We actually had to, you know put our money where our mouth was and all that good stuff uh, to borrow a cliche. And they, they stepped up big. So I was really impressed. No one had, and nobody had Kentucky going into that building and keeping Albert under 60 points. Not a soul in the planet had that. And uh, a really, really good win for the Wildcats. On Cal, um, hilarious, but not surprising. He doesn't deal with criticism well. And that's not a critique. It's just like you say, it's just a fact. He doesn't. Most of us wouldn't, right? I, 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 if I had to deal with the onslaught of criticism, John, I wouldn't deal with it well either. So. It was a weird way to start the presser. It wasn't. Yeah, like, it's it was just so, that he I, could, he couldn't do anything about it. The criticism recently because they just get in their brains beat in. You know, they're just not. They haven't been very good. So it's like people are being critical and like, what are you going to say? Um. So he clearly was just waiting for the next opportunity to, you know, throw it back in people's face a little bit, which is that you know what he was doing. He, he you know that. I promise you, he ain't as bothered by the criticism at his players as he is the criticism at himself. All right. So like it's it's all a neat thing to say, but um he he had been hearing and reading and seeing all the people questioning him. Cause like yesterday was awesome. What I'm about to say is true. He's got more future NBA players than anybody in the country, uh safely. And they're in the twenties at Ken Palm. Congratulations. Uh, you know, that's where you're at. You're in the twenties at Ken Palm. You are, um, you know, you're eight and four in the sec. You're, um, ranked behind San Diego state and BYU and Creighton and Iowa state and, you know, yeah, 20 other teams. So it is possible that what we've seen in these past two games, particularly yesterday, is a sign that something has clicked. It's also possible it's just a two-game stretch. You know? Like, like, hey, how many players have you – hey, remember who was it? Big Z? That was something yeah. for a game, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't think he got on the floor in this game. Okay, I'm just saying all yeah. over the country, there's, there's things that happen that are amazing. But if you start trying to say, ooh, buddy, you ready for this one? I could do it a million times. Man, I tell you what, if Jared McCain makes eight three-pointers a game, Duke's going to be hard to deal with. Yeah, probably. He won't do that, though. He, he did it, but he won't do it because that's not what people do in college. Oh, man, I saw this one yesterday. If Alabama is clicking on all cylinders like this, that's a Final Four team. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> if Alabama plays like it played yesterday, that's a Final Four. Of course, We could do that with 30 different teams all the time. People get caught up in these little bitty things. And think that, 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 buddy, if they do this thing they've done once every time, oh, man, now you got something. Except they don't do that th same thing every time because that's how, that's why they're in the 20s at Ken Palm. So, but, but I'm open to it. I'm open to it. 
because they are immensely talented. Here's my, my thing on Kentucky has been the whole time. I don't think they've been very good this year. They've been incredibly unreliable. I don't understand a lot of rotations, but they have the talent in the program to be awesome, and that could click at any moment. The year where they were eight seed and beat Wichita State in the round of 32 is a perfect example of it, right? So I, I've always left open the possibility that, but that that's where we could be headed, but I don't know it. So let me just walk you through some numbers, and you tell me what you believe is real and what you believe isn't. You saw it up close. Mm-hmm. Before this week, or you know, put it put it another way, after the loss to Gonzaga, UK's defense was ranked 135th nationally. They were giving up, I believe, 102.6 points per 100 possessions, according to Torvik. All right, right now, in this moment, or at least as of this afternoon, UK's defense was ranked 95th nationally and giving up 101.5 points per 100 possessions on the season. Also, according to Torvik. Yeah. So, the, so these past two wins, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that's good. They're 80th at Kempom, 95th at Torvik. Keep okay. Going. So the past two wins this past week has jumped Kentucky's defense from 135th to 95th nationally. It's a 40 spot jump. Significant. It's the byproduct of what I'm about to tell you. In these past two games, wins over Ole Miss and Auburn, Kentucky's defense trivia time. Where does it rank just from Tuesday? Five days? For, yeah, that five-day sample size, sorting data over at Torvik. Where's UK's defense in that five-day, two-game sample? I'll say ninth. Fourth. They're fourth. Okay. Fourth in the country in these past two games, giving up just 78.8 points per 100 possessions. That is undeniable improvement. They've been terrible defensively all season. They've been elite defensively over the past week. The question is, did they figure something out, or is it just a nice week? And don't be surprised if Alabama puts 95 on them next Saturday. Um, If I'm leaning one way or the other, I would lean the latter. I don't think it's obviously binary like that, but I would lean the latter only because we've seen so much to this point to make us think. But maybe they'll, maybe they'll really surprise us, and, and this can be the norm going forward. Good start. But don't completely uh, – Yeah, my, my concern, if I were a Kentucky fan, would be we've now played 25 games. And broadly speaking, for 23 of them, we've been terrible defensively. And for two, we've been great. What's real? If somebody had 25 plate appearances and struck out 23 times but hit two home runs, would they're you think they're – Huh? They're Adam Dunn. That's exactly right. <laughs> okay. But you like you get the point. And and it it is meaningful that it's the most recent two games. And I do think it is helpful that the players afterwards said, we can do this. We just have to commit to it, you know, believe, be focused on it, care about it. And and that is honestly almost always true when you have a team full of NBA players and athletes. Like there's nothing physically that should prevent Kentucky from being awesome defensively. Nothing physically. They got size and shot blockers and athletes and MB, everything's there. You there's nothing in the in the in the athleticism or physicality of of the roster that should make them incapable of being great defensively. You just have to have you know a, a strong foundation. You got to be together. You got to care about it. And the players are saying they they now do. If that's true, here we go. But um, you know I, I'm just let's wait and see for a minute. Um. Yeah, we've kind of gone uh, gone long on this, so I think uh, we're going to make this uh, a standalone segment and break in a second and do the rest of the whip around so we can really do it in true whip around style. Two things for me. One, 
we got another poll up here right now. Is Kentucky a Final Four contender right now? Live chat, 61% say no. That's actually a little lower than I might have expected. And I did genuinely enjoy my trip to Auburn. I want to give a shout-out to Marlene Navor, the SID there. Tremendous. She's uh, great. She's she is, the best. She is She's great. I high level uh sid you like her a lot more than you like that neville arena i gather that's not true at all but you know what you like to peddle in lies and uh, people have known that for weeks you did it with you kind of purdue and <laughs> when i got you we are going to do true whip around style after the break but first my favorite we're going to need style. one more word from our partners give it to me let's go all right the national sales event is on at your toyota dealer making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Right. Whip, whip around a real style here. All right. Oh, this is my favorite we, way to do we, it. We of all the ways to whip around, this is my this is, this is the one I prefer. Purdue. It's time to talk about Houston. Third ranked in the country, 82-61 over Texas. LJ Cryer, season high, 26 points. He was awesome. It wasn't close. Houston has now swept Texas on its way of on, on Longhorn's way of going to the SEC, 19th straight home win for the Cougs there. Season low and 61 points for Texas. Season low, 38.6% shooting. Um, Houston right now leads the nation. I'm going to include this nugget in the court report later this week. Right now, Houston leads the nation in field goal percentage and defense. Last time that happened, I'm not going to ask you the team. You wouldn't guess it. Just if you get it within five years, the last time a team in men's D1 led the nation in both. Scoring defense, the lowest points per game allowed, and field goal percentage defense, lowest percentage allowed. What year? 2004, UMass Lowell. 1977, Princeton Tigers. Houston is pacing to get that. And so, real quick, again, whip around. Try and keep your answer under two minutes. Do you think you can do this here? Shouldn't Houston be in the in the conversation with Purdue and UConn? I would vehemently argue it absolutely should. As a reminder, the Cougars have remained number one in many a mainstream metric going on. Hello, two months. I do think Houston deserves a, a, a legitimate look at number one and certainly number two. 
Um, I believe I'm going to fall. Like if I just do it the way I do it and people can do this stuff, however they want to. No, 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 no. Not the way you do it. It's Houston, a great team like Purdue and UConn. Yes, yes or no? Yes, 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 yes. And yes. they're in that group because people are doing this whole Purdue or UConn oh, thing. I thought you were asking one. like, do they need to be ranked like no. under consideration for All one? Right. Okay. No, I think, yeah, uh, no, I think there's a clear separation between one, two, one, two, and three over here. Break. Now let's start talking four, five, six, seven, eight. There's a break there yes. in resumes, and I think I would argue in potential. Although Arizona, when it's good, it's really good, but it ain't always really good. But I did—I don't know if you saw—I did write on Saturday morning that uh, this did, this didn't help either. By the way, I did write that I would lean toward Marquette as the second, as the fourth number one overall seed, number, as the fourth number one seed. But I think they'll give it to Arizona. I was wrong, but I would lean toward Marquette. But I do believe they're going to give it to Mar- uh, Arizona. But I would lean toward Marquette. Then Marquette got smashed. <laughs> But it was, my point is, I it was Arizona. The top four seeds on Saturday morning were Purdue, UConn, Houston, Arizona, and I think they would still be the f- same four today, just in a slightly different order. Marquette as the fourth number one overall seed. Hey, I made a great argument for it on Saturday morning, and then, oh my God, what can't did, what, did, what did UConn say? That's right. Oh, Not good enough. Quit it really, like it, it, people have focused on UConn killing my Purdue argument. They, they, they at the same time killed my Marquette argument. It was <laughs> what UConn did to me. It was rough. You're picking up the pieces. You absolutely are. Let's keep it going here. Kansas wins 67, 57 over Oklahoma. Importantly, that's a road win for the Jayhawks there uh, and a road win over a ranked team. Although the Sooners will not be ranked on Monday. Kansas number six at the time of the game won seven straight games, by the way, against Oklahoma. Uh, Hunter Dickinson, 20 points, 16 rebounds. It's his third time this season with 20, uh, 20 plus points, 15 plus rebounds in a game. Um, that's some good stuff from them. Uh, Oklahoma, not safe yet in the, uh, in the NCAA tournament, uh, that would have been a big one there. In fact, GP, um, that's not a bad loss, but um, Oklahoma taking a loss. And then TCU buzzer beater, uh, Jameer Nelson Jr. hitting a three, his only one of the game for TCU to win 75-72 and, uh, and pick off K-State, which has now lost six of its past seven games. Um, K-State might mess around and miss the tournament. They, 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 they're just losing too many. They're taking on too much water. Other bad losses... Indiana State, yikes. Now, it's a road loss, but 74-69. ISU hit the polls this past weekend for the first time since 79. They promptly go and lose two in a row. It's it's, uh, it's They should not have done that. That was not smart. It is extremely damaging to their at-large chances. Um, if they're not expired, it is, it is they can't lose another regular season game. That's that's obvious there. Um, bad loss, but not like damaging. BYU getting taken out uh, against Oklahoma State. Uh, 10-point loss there for the 19th-ranked Cougars. Would expect them to fall out. Uh, meanwhile, the Washington State Cougars are now 20-6. They got a... They got a sweep over the weekend of the Bay Area schools. They will be certainly ranked when uh, when the polls refresh on Monday. And then another bad loss here. I, uh, Iowa beats Wisconsin 88-86 in OT. Uh, when uh, <laughs> I got to bring a new metric to the table here. So when the, when the bracket got released on Sunday at uh, 1230, um, I, you know, I took a picture of it and then, you know, people responding to the seeds and all that kind of stuff. And uh, one fellow in particular had, had a tweet that I quote tweeted and it seemed to get a lot of, a lot of runs. So a guy named Adam DeMamp, um, 
when Wisconsin was revealed to be a four seed and the last team on, on the board, it was the, it was the 16th overall seed. He said, Wisconsin being on there is wild. They've been asked lately. And I said, I got to check with the NCAA on this, but I fair to wonder if they've been asked lately as part of the official seating and se- selection. <laughs> and so I'm going to make an unofficial uh, declaration here that the, they've been asked lately. The T ball metric is something that we will on this podcast at the very least take into consideration when discussing teams and whether or not they should be in the tournament or where they've been seated, but they've been asked lately is officially added to the eye on college basketball lexicon because only, it needs to be adopted at the NCAA. Okay, but only for the bracket preview show. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. This is a one-time thing and let it go off to the ether. No, they, no, 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 no. Next year we'll use it. Feature moving forward. Okay. Okay. The, 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 they've been asked lately weekly. That actually would be a fun weekly feature. T ball metric, man. T hyphen B A L. They've been asked lately. <laughs> I like, I like, I like Wisconsin that. has okay. been asked lately and they got taken out, um, by Iowa there. So that's a, that's a tough one by them. And, I, um, uh, yeah, you hate to see it. Bad okay. Ball. So, uh, I was surprised Wisconsin was in the top 16. I mean, they have been asked lately. That's not even debatable. Um, I had 14 of the 16, and the only two I missed, um, I had Dayton and South Carolina in the top 16, and I had San Diego State and Wisconsin just on the wrong side of it. So I went 14 of 16, but all 16 of the teams that were in the bracket preview show are in the top 18 of the top 25 and one as of yesterday morning. So if you looked at the top 25 and one, it went 13 date and 14 Alabama, 15 South Carolina, 16 Illinois. That was my cutoff. And I really just used that as my bracket projection, flipping Arizona and Marquette. Only thing I did. And in the top 25 and one on Saturday morning, San Diego state was 17. Wisconsin was 18. And they both got pushed into the top 16 by the selection committee. So I had 14 of 16, correct. And all 16 of the teams they used are in were in my top eighteen on Saturday morning. That's me patting myself on the I back. I know what I know what it is. Again, trying to put Jerry Palm out of work. Like you do you, I guess. But good <laughs> all on that. What what if I become the bracket expert and Palm's over here hosting a podcast with you? Yeah, well, how are you gonna feel if you gotta do a top twenty five and one every morning and then they start asking you to give brackets three times a week? You're gonna be able to live with yourself if that happens? I'm already struggling living yeah, with myself. Exactly. Um, as many people have pointed out, we already have the eye test. Why not the ass test? And I'm a fan. I'm in, <laughs> I'm in favor of the eye test and the ass test, the ass man test, whatever you want. They've been asked lately. Spread it around. Tell your friends more results to get to from the weekend. Uh, I want to point out that Baylor Shireman, if I had to log a ballot for first, second, third team All-American, Shireman would be a second team All-American for me right now. He has uh, somewhat quietly been pretty awesome this entire season. He tied a season high with 27 points, uh, a game removed from getting a triple-double, and uh, Creighton's win at Butler. Creighton, also another team making you look bad because you have public (laughs) question whether this team is any good whatsoever. They're doing all right for themselves, and they got to win a Butler, uh, which could not score in the final five minutes of that game. So good job by Creighton there. Um, elsewhere, number 10, Iowa State, won 82-74 against Texas Tech. A reminder, that's a two-seed. I'm going to guess you got him seventh now, GP, sixth. I mean, that is a two-seed, folks. No doubt about it with that resume. Where do you got him? Uh, hold on. I'm caught up in the chat. Where do I have who? Iowa, <laughs> Iowa State, seven. Seventh. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. The chat okay. is still stuck, stuck on they've been last lately. <laughs> as, as they, sh- as they okay. should. Here, okay. Here's the quote from, from uh, the chat uh, from C-Rad. He says, Greg Gumble is interviewing the selection chairperson and ask him about a team. And the chairperson says, well, Greg, we did like them, but they've been asked lately. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine the moment for America if that happened? <laughs> 
I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I, what, what if it's what if you're in the you're in the committee room? You know how they always do a shot. It's like a live look in Indianapolis, and this, this is what's going on. Is just a bunch of dudes in there on with computers. Yeah, yeah, no, but and there's no obviously there's no mic right, but they they get the yeah. you know normally it's that shot, but at 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 one unsuspecting moment. <laughs> There's five people looking down at the computers, but there's three people in an animated conversation, and you can clearly read as someone says it aloud. They've been ass lately. No, no. Here's, here's what I envision. It's like think of a game of Uno, and you have a card, and it's the they've been ass lately card, and you can play it when you need to. So you're going around the room, and it's like, uh, all right, Wisconsin, we're looking at them now. And I know this ain't how they actually do it. Just play along. We're looking at them now as a as a four seed. What do we think about Wisconsin as the four seed? Oh, hell, GP played as they've been asked lately card. Let's move them out. That's the way it should work. Don't worry, Wisconsin fans. There's going to be another team that's coming right down the pike. <laughs> hey, <laughs> somebody's always asked lately. That's correct. That's the wonderful <laughs> thing about this sport. It, it, always, it yeah. sounds like it could be the Memphis Award real soon. Oh, well, we're getting there. In fact, yeah, we got more ass coming later on this podcast. <laughs> By the way, we are unquestionably setting a record for that. Might want to put it all ready on the uh, podcast description for this episode. In related news, Nada is not producing. Congrats to Nada. He got married over the weekend. Shouts to Debo, who is podcasting. Nada uh, would never allow this to fly, but we wish him uh, the absolute so yes big if time I know, if i know one thing about nada more of us he's one of us he's one of us he's been one of us and uh and yes and now the pod's kind of going off the rails with him not producing but uh shouts to debo who's stepping in and, and helping us out here on a sunday night well you're um, implying that we're off the rails because we don't have nada nada could not have controlled this <laughs> that might be true here we go. A couple more results. Uh, Virginia. Oh, boy. You want to talk about a game that was asked at the end? They won 49-47. Dude, Virginia. How about this stat? Courtesy of our folks at uh, in the CBS Sports Research Department. They went 1 of 11 from the foul line. It's the lowest free throw percentage by a team in a win so far this season. I imagine you got to shoot at least like 6 or 8 to qualify for that stat. Um, but it is incredible. They are the second team since 2008 to win a game making one or fewer free throws with at least 10 attempts. Is that how this happened? Something's in the water. Tony Bennett got, he didn't get tossed. He got a, he got a T it's like the second of his career. He got a T in this game against wake forest of all teams. Wake forest still doesn't have a quad one win. No. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. They did not as a, they do. They, they did not have one as of Saturday night. Oh, it's I, beautiful. It's my okay. favorite thing. Wake enters Saturday with zero quadrant one wins, loses to Virginia in a quadrant one opportunity, but then gains a quadrant one win because Florida won at Georgia and moved into the top 30 of the net and Wake Forest beat Florida at home a long time ago. So Wake Forest, I love it when this happens. Wake up with zero quadrant wins, lose with 47 points. Gain a quadrant one win. And if that is an indictment on the quadrant system, I don't know what is. Uh, but good on Wake Forest for getting one because hey, they balance it should have one. Virginia, so. when's the last? They scored 49 points. 49-47. Missed 9 of 13 three-pointers. Missed 10 of 11 free throws in one. And That's the, impo- and that should be impossible. Clearly not impossible, but it should be. If you didn't see the ending, uh, consider yourself a winner for the weekend because it was uh, yikesy and Virginia barely escaped there. Um, elsewhere in the ACC, Duke won uh, 76-67 over FSU. Just want to point out, um, Jared McCain had 35 points and was just absurd. And uh believe when this thing was going, I was doing a few other things. I think he finished with 35 and that tied the freshman record for most points in the game. Uh, McCain has been like pretty damn key overall for Duke to this point. So, uh, so good on him. 
And I don't have too much else from Saturday because, again, I was, you know, on the road at a game. Didn't see too much else. I've got a few notes from Sunday in the whip around, though. Um, Memphis is imploding. I don't know. Memphis, they've been asked lately, might not even begin to cover the situation. Okay. Have lost, what, six of their past nine games. They lose 106-79 against SMU. SMU team, by the way, that's won six in a row, so good on them. Memphis was ranked in the top 10 a month ago, and now they are careening out of the NIT conversation. Um, I I promise we will not go long on Memphis, but I am genuinely curious if uh, Penny Hardaway now has put himself to be on the hot seat entering next season. He's not going to get fired this season. I think he could lose every game and they wouldn't fire him. But in that city where you do your show and and where you basically in effect live and have grown up and the university that you attended, do you think Hardaway is on the hot seat going into the next season as a result of whatever the hell has happened to this team in the past three weeks? I think he has to be. And it's complicated because he's Penny Hardaway. You know, he is, he's Patrick Ewing to, to Memphis. He is what Patrick Ewing was to Georgetown. But I say that to say, you know, eventually you got to do what you got to do. They even did it at Georgetown. Um, I do not think he should be in any trouble right now. He did just make two straight NCAA tournaments and was and had a team ranked in the top 10 not too long ago. This thing was going the right direction, and then it just, boom. I mean, it's a disaster. Um, but I will tell you um, that Josh Pastor lasted seven years at Memphis. Seven. And through his first six, he had four NCAA tournament appearances and two NCAA tournament wins through his first six years. If we can agree, Memphis doesn't look like it's going to the NCAA tournament. Um, Through six years, Penny Hardaway will have two NCAA tournaments and one NCAA tournament win. So through six years as the Memphis basketball coach, Josh Pastner will have had twice as many tournament appearances and twice as many tournament wins. And Josh Pastner was pushed out after year seven. They quite literally paid him more than a million dollars and zeroed out his buyout to allow him to take the Georgia tech job because they wanted him to leave. And he was better than Penny Hardaway as a coach and not as a coach. I'm not talking about that. Yeah. Just the results. He delivered more than Penny Hardaway has delivered. It appears through six years as the Memphis coach. That's just, you know, I love to talk about facts, interpret it however you want, but what I just told you is true. Um, yeah, I think, I think he has to enter next season on the hot seat. Uh, I would put it highly unlikely that there's change there um, because I just don't think Penny Hardaway is going to allow himself to have, you know, for this to be the, the his final kind of season at Memphis. But it is super bizarre. And uh, and he had some he had a quote earlier on Sunday night about, you know, not everyone's pulling the rope in the same direction and all that stuff. And I'm, I'm sure like if you lose like this and it keeps happening and you're like getting run by SMU again, SMU is doing a good job here under Rob Lanier early in his tenure. But uh there's yeah there's just you you you, you got to figure out that this yeah, is you, you should three point losses it, no it's, it's, it's you should that, you yeah. should never go from beating clemson virginia a&m whatever to getting blasted by smu by what is it 27 points yeah i mean they're now three and six in no, yeah, three and six in their past nine games with losses to four sub 100 teams. I mean, it's I, you, you will have a hard time finding a team that just went from. I mean, here's the thing people can goof on you had them in the top six and 
the AP poll had them in the top 10. Yeah, their strength of record was also in the top 10. Like there were real metrics that said, now the predictive metrics never loved them, but strength of record, resume stuff, they were they were way up there. And for that to just flip, and I don't think this is it, but it should be noted, they did lose Caleb Mills. He was very important. He was arguably their best defensive player. Penny has said he was the guy who brought the defensive energy, and when he was no longer available, everything kind of lagged. That could be the truth. It could be excuse-making. I don't know. Um, but, like, they did lose a key player, but that that doesn't tell the whole story. You know, it, it, it circle back to UConn. Uh, they've lost key players. Donovan Klingon was out game. Stephon Castle was out game. Alex Carabin's missed a game. It never mattered to them. It, it it shouldn't matter this much. You shouldn't. Caleb Mills should never matter this much to a basketball team. Chat's on fire tonight. Uh, Debo's telling us it might be our highest viewed Sunday night show of the year. I think a lot of that is Paris Schadenfreude. But uh, but regardless, we've got Midfist and Memphis as, de- as definitions for the Tigers right now. Uh, keep it up. A couple more Sunday results here. Um, here's a wow. Mike Woodson is yet to beat Northwestern in his coaching career. Northwestern won Sunday at Tennessee. Uh, I mean, at Tennessee, at Tennessee and Indiana. Um, no tie Barry for the rest of the season with a meniscus injury for Northwestern. And it goes and gets just like a good resume building block when I've been on record for a good three, four weeks now that I thought Northwestern was going to make its third NCAA tournament ever. And uh, that kind of win just helps that become a reality there. Um, we talk about Memphis and its issues. Indiana, Mike Woodson, split opinion right now about whether or not uh, that uh, that might be a sever at the end of the season. I don't think it will. I've talked to people that are pretty emphatic that it will not be, but we've touched on that before. We don't. Need yeah, to um, I didn't get a chance to talk to you since Chris Holtman was fired because you did the solo pod. Thank right. you. I was tied. I was, you know, the, once I'm in New York, Tuesday, Wednesdays, I mean, I'm just like, I, I don't even know how I get through those days. Uh, so I, there's no way I could have jumped back on on that. But you, so you talked about it. I didn't get a chance to talk to you about it. I wanted, I did ask Kyle this on Friday's episode while you were traveling. Strong jaw shouts to strong jaw. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, yes, this, this would influence him if he were Indiana. Let me ask you. Yeah. What if you are Indiana and between search firms and agents, you find out because they will find out Ohio State zeroing in on Dusty May. They're going to go get him. And he and, and Dusty, Dusty, through agents and anybody else, makes it clear to Indiana. I am an Indiana alum. It's my dream job. I want to come home. You need to- I want to come home, but I am not passing on the Ohio State job. So I will take <laughs> I'll, I'll take your job yeah, this over Ohio State. Here. But if you do, if you keep if you keep Mike Woodson, I'm gonna I'm going to Ohio State. What do you do? Yeah, I mean that is if it actually gets to that, it gets to that point. That is quite the dramatic scenario there. Uh, I think that if you're Indiana in that spot, um, you have to do you it. have to you have to make a move uh, in part because Mike Woodson is also not a long like no one expect even if Indiana was heading toward an NCAA tournament this season. I think just generally around the program, like Mike Woodson took it over because of the Archie Miller ending and like it, not seen as more of like uh, five, six, like kind of seven years and absolute best case scenario kind of coach there. Meanwhile, if, if Dusty May, who we're going to get to his team at lost on Sunday, by the way, um, if he is the right guy, could be your coach. If it really if it hits, I mean, he's there for 25 years kind of deal. So uh, you have to move. But we'll we'll see. There's again, February is still not wrapped and we'll we'll wait on that. We've we've talked about that. A couple yeah, but of like, times. Um, yeah. man, if you're who I, I think we know Ross Bjork's going to make this higher, right? 
I, I think he's going to have heavy influence. I don't think that Gene Smith will be void of, of actually yeah. being in the decision-making process in this. I actually think Gene Smith firing Holtman, uh, he did so in part because he wants to play a significant role as this being his final move as AD. So uh, if anything, my guess here outside looking in is, is truly a 50-50 and one guy will not get to say yes and the other guy will get to say no and the guy that say, says yes gets to override, they will have to agree on the hire. I, I believe Ross is going to be able to do this. And um, I think I I think I was told that by somebody. Um. But if you're the Indiana AD, you, you got to be on the phone with Ross like, hey, uh, man, Chris Beard probably would be great in Columbus, wouldn't he? <laughs> you know, like you got to get him away from Dusty May. That's the nightmare situation for you at Indiana. If you find out they are coming for Dusty May, then I think you do have to do it. Like this, this stuff does not happen in a, in a vacuum. Like these things are connected. So if your options are, you just have to at some point say, okay, these are our options if we get there. We can hold on to a 65-year coach who has quite literally been worse every year than he was supposed to be, according to Ken Palm, who is currently running the fourth-best team in Indiana. I'm not going to keep doing that. I actually feel sorry for him at this point. It's not even funny anymore. Like that, that is a great basketball program that is a mess. I feel bad for them. But if he's okay, we can hold on to a 65-year-old who has disappointed us every year. And if he does it, if he does the same thing in year four that he's done in year one, two, and three, we'll fire him. All right. But Dusty May is going to be at Ohio State then, and we we probably can't get him to leave Ohio State. I don't know. Maybe you could. <laughs> maybe you could just be like, come home now. I don't know. But I think if you get to that point and it's like, if we don't hire him, Ohio State will. Because it's not like if we don't hire him, UCLA will. Like, he's going to be in your we'll league. See. Ohio State, the thing is, Ohio State job, that's going to be very crowded with a very like interesting pool of candidates. So I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm saying I'm skeptical that, like, I I am I don't I want to be clear. I have no idea. This is just a thought exercise. I'm not trying to tell yeah, yeah. you Ohio State's going to target not. Dusty May. It's just a thought exercise. Dusty is a candidate for Ohio State because he's going to be a candidate for any job he wants to be a candidate for. All right. So because I know Fort Atlantic's oh buddy, it was another bad one. We're get, well, we're getting there. Yeah right right. Well, that's, but that's but my but, next thing. <laughs> but like he did take Fort Atlantic to a Final Four, and he has had Fort Atlantic ranked in the top 25 all year. Like that's unprecedented stuff. So he's an obvious candidate for any job. I don't know if Ohio State's going to uh, covet him, but if they do, this is all I'm saying is if they do, if you're Indiana, it has it, it has to play a role in your decision making process, or else you're not you're not being very smart about it. Speaking of FAU, it lost ninety to eighty six. Now, when I took off, it was a like a twenty five point deficit for the Owls, and then lo and behold. They lost by four. I think I didn't see the game. I think they were down by one with like 30 seconds to go. They couldn't pull it off. So FAU loses. And now FAU is 20 and six overall. It's 10 and three in the league. We've talked about South Florida and Amir Abdurrahim on recent episodes. Now it's 19 and five, 12 and one in the league has one loss since December 2nd. And the loss is by four points at UAB. Um, the losses early in the season against Central Michigan, Maine and Hofstra. Those are 135 or lower in the metrics there and in particular losing to central Michigan at home and Maine at home is what's just a sinking USF's resume. But if they continue to win, they are going to have an extremely fascinating at large case here. They are slowly creeping up, creeping up. Actually, as we talk about this real quick, GP, I want to look where they are in wins above bubble. Cause I am genuinely curious if they are a top 50 team yet and wins above bubble with those losses. South Florida right now is 59 still not going to cut it they they are going to see and this isn't a one-bid league but like they're gonna have to they gotta win they probably gotta win their tournament i th 
Well, how about this? I'll just say this. I think they listen, can lose one more. They can get to six losses, and maybe it's a conversation seven, and it's out. It's not even they, – they can't. They, they won't get there. But it, by beating FAU and getting this win, GP, um, I thought it was very significant uh, for them to get into the conversation. And the fact that even Amir Abdurrahim has this team in this position is incredible after what USF has been for the past decade, and that's been irrelevant. Listen, um, as far as bracketologists go, we know we love Jerry Palm and we love me. All right? Is that the order? No, yes. no, 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 no. Yes, no. it is. Okay. But I was watching, I believe, a USF game earlier in the week. It might have been another AAC game. I don't know. Things run together. But anyway, they had Lenardi on, or they either asked Lenardi, Joe Lenardi, of course, the ESPN bracket, uh, bracketologist. And uh, the question was simple. Um, is there any chance for South Florida to get an at-large bid? And he had a one-word answer. And his one-word answer was, nope. He said, nope. They run the table and lose in the American title game. I'm willing to have a discussion. I, I Sometimes I get a little bit hesitant on, on those kind of declarations when we're still, hey, one month from tonight, we will be podcasting about a bracket of 68 teams. Oh, by the way. So we are now a month in and sub one month to uh, the actual selection show. One more result to get to from Sunday because the quotes are a doozy. St. John's lost to Seton Hall. They should not have done that. That was not smart. They played the game where the Islanders play their hockey games, a UBS arena. I have no idea why the final 68, 62 for the pirates. The pirates are now uh, they're in, they're in fifth place in the biggies pecking order in terms of NCAA tournament stuff. St. John's blew a 19 point lead in this game. Johnny's are not going to the tournament, man. They're not going to win the biggies auto bid. They're not going to get, they're not going to make up enough ground 14 and 12 right now. Overall, let's have a sampling of what Rick Pitino said after the game. And I don't have the audio for you. I'm going to credit uh, the reporters on scene, including Zach Braziller and Adam Zagoria, one of them. Uh, here we go. And earmuffs, please. And uh, well, in all sincerity, we need to put the explicit tag on this episode. Uh, quote, do we have shitty facilities? Yes, we do. But that's not the reason we're losing. <laughs> Having shitty facilities has nothing to do with not guarding. End quote. I've got more. Patino, if I said I was disappointed, that would be the understatement of the year. End quote. Continues. We are so non-athletic that we can't guard anybody without fouling. Another one. <laughs> this is, I'm not done. I'm not done. Quote, this is the most unenjoyable experience of my lifetime. End quote. This is a man who said he wanted to kill himself by jumping into the cold and dying of frostbite after a loss at Creighton earlier this year. I'm not done. Patino, quote, courtesy of Jaden Daly. Look, Joel's slow laterally. He's not fast on the court. Chris Ludlam is slow laterally. Sean Conway is slow laterally. Brady's physically weak. Driscoll is slow laterally. End quote. <laughs> the dude, Keep in mind, these are the players he wanted. He, he ran everybody off. <laughs> in the portal, he is now absolutely destroying them. This is this is the kind of thing that if you are fortunate to maybe sit in on a film session with the coaching staff, yes. not even the players. Sometimes coaches they, you will they will say this behind closed doors about oh, yeah. the situation. I was, he is I was saying this at a press conference <laughs> about the players he brought into the program. And he's Repetino, he can do whatever the hell he wants. This is incredible copy. I mean, this is a gold mine of quotes, but unfortunately, as a result of blowing a 19-point lead and just booting yourself out of the at-large uh conversation altogether. I'm not gonna say it's a lost season for the St. John's program because this was gonna be a rebuild and we wondered if they'd get to the tournament, but you say all this stuff like goodbye you need to pray for a miracle at this point red storm needs to hope to be in the nit at best that is incredible rick patino please give me more but at the same time 
Um, you might be dealing with a few texts and phone calls from some parents in the next 48 hours. Well, those are great quotes. Um, to your point, uh, one time many years ago, I was with a staff the night before the game. It was one of those things where they had, uh, you know, day before the game practice. And then it was like, yeah, we're going to watch film. Hey, you want to watch film with us? You know, that type of stuff. We're going to sit in the office and watch film. So, yeah, let's do it. That, you know, I don't get, you know, that, yeah, let's, I just interested in like being present. So I'm watching film with this coach. And he had a top 10 team at the time. And, you know, they were a legitimate national championship contender. And he hated his point guard. Hated him. All right? And the whole film session, I'm in there. And it's all off the record, right? And I'm obviously not going to name the coach or the school or the player. But this coach is watching film. And he's like, you know, back, run it, click it back. Look, watch this. Watch this. Watch watch the way he manipulates. Like, all this stuff, right? He's like, and he finally just stops and he goes, Gary. I said, yeah. He goes, I'm in trouble. And I said, what, what do you, what do you mean you're in trouble? He goes, my fans think I'm supposed to go to a GD final four with this MF as my point guard. We can't, can't happen. Can't happen with him, but my fans don't know it. They think we're supposed to go. They think we're supposed to go to the final four, but I'm telling you, we can't go to the final four because, because of him just trashed him. All right. And I'll never forget it. And then the press conference is the next day. The next day, he's like, yeah, you know, I really love what we got in the back. Yeah, it's just totally different stuff. He would never say it publicly. Patino was saying publicly what a lot of coaches would say privately, but almost never say publicly. I love it. How about this is the most unenjoyable experience of my lifetime? <laughs> that, well, that's wow. one thing. because that, that could just be chalked up to frustration because it's, it clearly, it's clearly not the most unenjoyable experience of his lifetime. Like, uh, Rick. I mean, like Rick's been alive a long time. He's had a lot of experiences. There is no scenario where struggling St. John's is the worst, exper- most unenjoyable experience of his uh, lifetime. Oh All right. Gosh, just and I'm not even trying to make any of the cheap jokes that I know people are trying to make. That 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 I know. I know. I, I'm above that. I I hope. Um. But but no, I am. If you want me to be honest, there was I used to make those jokes when I was younger, um, and they were more uh, timely. And if I'm being com- just completely transparent, I had this moment where, um, you know, I'm closer in age to Richard Patino, and I there, you know, he was an assistant coach at Florida, assistant coach at Louisville. I got to know him fairly well. I, you know, I we're friendly. I like him a lot. And I just realized I'm making jokes about that guy's dad. I'm making public. I'm publicly joking about a guy I consider a friend's dad. And I just stopped. I just, you know, I just seemed like I'll let it. Every, there, hey, there's plenty of people trying to get off the exact same jokes. I'll let them do it. I just, I didn't want to participate in it anymore. Um, but, but, yeah, but my point is that that's just chalked up to frustration. Him saying this is the most enjoy, unenjoyable experience. It's just frustration. The other stuff, this person by name can't move his feet, whatever the quotes were. Those are more, I think those are more damning than I'm just having a miserable time right now. You chalk it up to one thing and one thing only. They've been asked lately. <laughs> and with that segue, we actually do have a somber news update that we have to address here because it kicked off uh, Saturday. Lefty Derzell, Hall of Fame coach, dead at the age of 92. And one of the uh, more uh, beloved, respected, and really, like, truly like a legend within college basketball for the things he did and what, what he helped kind of bring to the forefront. It was his Maryland teams that were so good. <laughs> that back in the 70s when you only got one bid per league to get into the tournament and Maryland was kept out in a year when Maryland was one of the five best teams in the tournament, 
was the Maryland NC State year. Um, that uh, at least I think I got that right, Chief. Here was it NC State that was kept. I thought it was the year NC State won the title. Maryland had a top five team. Anyway, at large bids came a thing after that. Obviously, left years Drizelle helped popularize and, and co-invented. He made sure at his Hall of Fame speech to give credit to George Raveling, his then assistant, for actually conceiving the idea of, hey, listen, we get to officially practice on October 15th. So why don't we like as a way of getting the fans involved? Why don't we just open our practice at midnight on October 15th, right when the date switches and call it something called Midnight Madness. Yes, Lefty Drizelle and George Raveling, another Hall of Famer, came up with that. And then obviously the head coach in college of um, Len Bias, who tragically passed uh, you know, shortly after uh, being drafted by the Boston Celtics and um, many other forces as well, kind of you know, led to Lefty no longer coaching at Maryland uh, in the back end of the 80s. But he... Won more than 100 games at four programs, took four programs. He was the first coach to take four programs to the NCAA tournament. And, uh, yeah, just uh, just a, a legend in the sport. Da- gone at the age of 92. Was a bummer of a way to start the day. His, uh, his, I say his Terrapins were not able to beat Illinois on Saturday as well. But uh, they wore those throwback unis during Lefty's era. Just gorgeous, gorgeous threads there. And, yeah, just wanted to pay, pay tribute and honor. Uh, you know, one thing I love about college hoops, in my opinion, uh, even now, but especially for, you know, before my time and uh, 70s, 80s, 90s, just a sport filled with coaching characters and left you Drizelle, one of those for sure. Um, gone at the age of 92. A quick thought from you, GP? Yeah, you just, you know, obviously you never like to hear news like this. Sad. Um, but he did live 92 years and that's longer than most of us are going to get. And I... I'm trying to say this the right way. I, I don't love these types of days, but what I do appreciate about them is that then there are obits written and then there are columns written by people because Lefty Drizelle is a little before my time. He's a little before your time. Yes. You know, we, 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 to a certain extent. I mean, we, yeah, we, grew, up, we grew up watching him, but yeah. we don't know him. We didn't cover right. him. Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So um, like, you know, recently Bob Knight died. Well, we both covered Bob Knight. We both, had interactions with Bob Knight. We both knew Bob Knight. Yeah. Um, I didn't know Lefty Giselle. So I come from, like, I obviously know he was Lim Bias's coach, and I know he's a Maryland legend, and I know I know the bullet points. I just love reading the stories. I, I just, I, I think the one I, again, this all sounds so bad. I don't mean it the way it sounds. Um, when Dean Smith died, I just remember reading incredible obits and incredible anecdotes about him. He was such an amazing person who happened to be a basketball coach. And I think I knew that, but I don't think I quite grasped it properly until he died. And until like people are saying this, this person died today, man, you should really know more about him. Let me tell you more about him. I, I, I enjoy that. I like learning. And, you know, it makes me think I should learn about these people maybe a little earlier um, and, and seek it out. But I had a good time on Saturday um, remembering Lefty Dizelle just in the sense that, uh, you know, you read things about him and people have really flattering and, and, and nice stories to say about, to tell about him. We're really giving Debo the full, uh, the full experience. Yeah, sorry to keep it. You get, you get you, plus minutes. We haven't even wrapped the show. We're going to wrap it, but everything from, from obituaries to well, the stuff we were just talking about before that quickly, GP, just tell the people what's on deck from a TV standpoint, Monday, Tuesday night. And to be honest, tell me too, because I actually have not looked at the schedule. I don't know what's a, what awaits us tomorrow night. Okay, um, not great. I'll run you through it. On Monday, uh, we got Virginia at Virginia Tech. Let's see if they can win with 49 again. 
Iowa State at Houston. Woo, that's oh, a good one. Hey, don't say that's not good. I that's didn't. I said that's good on teams. No, I said the two days aren't great. That's great. Okay. Iowa State keeps winning. That's Houston, though. Mm. That's tough. Does the winning team get to 60? I'll say yes. Everybody gets to 60 now, except Virginia and Wake. Okay. Um, it's scoring up this year. I have not looked at that, but yeah, it, yeah, feel, yeah. it feels scoring, up. Scoring is up, and uh, I, I actually think points per possession might be at its best rate in the history of the sport, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, it feels like, you know, I just look at this a lot of times from, you know, I look at point totals and stuff, and it's just, it feels like we're getting into the 80s way more than we used to get into the 80s. I would love somebody to look that up. ESPN Stats and Info, CBS Sports Research, Jared Burson. Our team's getting to the 80s more often than ever because it feels like it. Um, Kansas State at Texas. Kansas State, we talked, you, you went through this. Yeah. They just, they, they had this, these handful of winnable home games that they really needed to win and they're, they're losing them. So what that means is now they got to go win games they're not supposed to win. That's obviously tougher than winning the ones you should. At Texas is one you're not supposed to win. We'll see what happens. On Tuesday, here's another go. So we got good games, just not a lot of them. UConn at Creighton. Oh, boy. That's a good one. Oh, man. Oh! You, you... <laughs> Woo! I, oh, I'm going to go ahead and write Wednesday morning's top 25 and one right now. You are gearing up. <laughs> You want to see Paris without his shirt on for the one and only time ever? It'll be in the studio if UConn loses that game, folks. No, no, no. Hey, here's the thing. Here's the thing that gets lost in all this. I like UConn. I love Dan Hurley. I like this team. I'm not out there rooting against them. I love them. Stop it. You're ruining the bet. No, no, no. no. <laughs> okay. UConn at Creighton, that should be tremendous. That, that, is, that is tasty. I like that stuff. This is a good – that and I would say Houston alone keeps me satiated, but whatever. Keep going. Uh, Baylor at BYU. That's good. That's them versus them. That is. I was about to say, that's a them versus them situation. <laughs> that's a them versus them, wins. buddy. I'm sorry. Nobody wins. Ain't no, no, nobody scores. <laughs> nobody there. Right, tweet it. Tweet it. Baylor at BYU. Nobody's scoring tonight. Oh, I wish <laughs> I had the applause. Ha, ha, ha. Them versus them. Nobody wins and nobody scores. Love it. <laughs> Baylor at BYU. Nobody scores tonight. San Francisco at St. Mary's. That's, hey. That, that's good. like a legitimately good game. Yep, sneaky good right there. WCC situation and, uh, and yeah. Okay, so you ready for this? Only five games on Tuesday featuring currently ranked teams. Now, the, 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 the poll will update on Monday, so we could, you know, we'll see. But I looked at the schedule. Because that's part of prepping for Sunday night's episode. And I say, Jesus, there's only five games with a ranked team in it on Tuesday? That feels low. So I went and checked. Last Tuesday, we had 12 games featuring ranked teams. Tuesday before that, also 12. This Tuesday, only five. I got What's nothing. the deal? What's I the deal? Nothing. I got nothing for you on that. I don't know. I got nothing. I don't know what's going on. All right. I don't know what's going on. You think that's a show? Uh, that's gotta be a show here. We're closing in on, on 80 minutes of podcasting goodness, but you know what? We had to, we had to go long. I wasn't on the Friday show. KB, thanks for uh, stepping in. We appreciate you for that. Even Boone was in the, was in the chat here earlier as well. And uh, for everyone that jumped in on a Sunday night to chat, we appreciate you. Keep it, keep it coming. We'll be back again. GP's now in studio Wednesday, 10 AM will be our next pod. Nada is uh, scheduled to to be back in the fold and in the mix there, but uh, but Debo, thank you for stepping in, and we appreciate everyone listening. And uh, yeah, I think that's 
I think that's all I got for you, Parrish. You think that's a show? Ah, that's a show. You're convinced that's a show. Yeah, you got Shouts okay. to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M.F. and Teagle. He's a legend. Shouts to Huck, Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening to, watching the Eye on College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts. Apple, Spotify. There's more of us than there are of them, except for inside the Marriott Center. Yeah, we we don't stand a chance. No, we are we are way outnumbered, yeah. buddy. I mean, woo, a lot of them. No shot. Yep. No shot. No shot. You know, broadly speaking, there's more of us than there are of them. But you gotta, you know, you gotta recognize where you're at. Yep. It's a tough spot. Needs to be reflected in the comments, though. There's more of us than there are of them. So do that at Spotify, Apple, wherever you can leave comments for the podcast. And we will talk to you again on Wednesday when Purdue is number one. I'm kidding. Bye-bye. We got to go. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.